The following podcast is a live recording of a radio show first broadcast by Fresh FM with assistance from New Zealand On Air. Fresh FM is a community access media station based in Te Tauihu, the top of the South Island, New Zealand. What would you do if you knew you were going to die or that someone you loved was going to die? Well, guess what? You are, and you do. No my hari mai, and welcome to Death Walker's Guide to Life, a euphemism-free show that deals with everything about death and dying you wish you knew but were afraid to ask. In it, we'll explore together how thinking and talking about death can help you live a life without regrets. Ko Kerry Sunderland Toku Inua. My name is Kerry Sunderland, and I'm the host and producer of the show, which is first broadcast on Fresh FM in Titoihu, the top of Aotearoa, New Zealand's South Island, and then available around the world on many of the major podcast platforms. Deathwalker's Guide to Life is produced with the support of the Tasman District Creative Community Scheme, so big thanks to them. And if you'd like to find out how to get involved or wish to support the show in other ways, please go to the website, which is deathwalkersguidetolife.com. And thank you for joining me for episode 13 of season 2 of Deathwalker's Guide to Life. In today's show, I'll be speaking with Valerie Wyckoff, who teaches compassionate communication, singing and movement re-education. We'll be discussing her work in establishing Reflections in Christchurch, which is a group of threshold singers who bring songs of comfort to the dying. But before I korero with Valerie, it's time for the first bookend, Death in Print. Now, there are two definitions of the word comfort. The first is a state of physical ease and freedom from pain or constraint. The second is the easing of allevi- or alleviation of a person's feelings of grief or distress. We're focusing on the latter today. So in keeping with the theme for today's show, I'd like to introduce you to Words of Comfort by Rebecca Bella, who is a qualified counsellor and mindfulness coach. Rebecca's first book, Note to Self, The Secrets of Calm, was published by Ellen and Unwin in 2020. A companion, the Note to Self journal, followed in 2021, while Words of Comfort came out in February this year. Impressively, she wrote and illustrated all three books. As Rebecca writes in the introduction to Words of Comfort, grief is a very intense experience which is fraught with conflicting and complicated emotions that can leave you feeling hopeless, helpless, overwhelmed and unsure of what to do and where to turn. Words of Comfort, she writes, is here to help. She says the book is your companion in grief, both a beacon of hope and somewhere you can come and sit with the grief. And how key is that last point in my experience? Grief isn't something that can be buried or ignored. It needs to be sat with. Chapter 1 explores the experience of grieving and the emotions and thoughts that may surface during the process. Chapter 2 provides a toolbox of strategies and words of comfort to help you through the grief. The through you here is really key. As Rebecca points out, there is no timeline for grief. And despite Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's five stages of dying being adopted by many as a model for grief and expanded into seven stages, it's definitely not a linear process. Chapter three takes a look at some of the things we can learn from grief. As someone who was once called Kerry Silverlining Sunderland, these really resonate with me. One of my favourites is, change is inevitable. 
Grief is inescapable. Loss is unavoidable. Growth is a choice. Insight is an intention. I am, however, 11 years into my journey through grief and I wonder how these sorts of silver linings would land for people still in the midst of tumult and perhaps despair. Wisely, Rebecca urges the reader to take what they need and leave what they don't and she provides ongoing support to readers through her Instagram community which is journey underscore to underscore wellness. She has an astonishing 350,000 followers. My guest on today's show is Valerie Wyckoff. Valerie is a certified trainer through the Centre for Nonviolent Communication. She offers coaching, counselling and workshops to enhance connection, freedom and new possibilities. But she is joining me on Deathwalker's Guide to Life today to tell us more about Threshold Choirs in particular. And Threshold Choirs bring songs of comfort to the dying. Born in Nebraska, Valerie now lives in Christchurch, where she directs Reflections Threshold Singers, a group which aims to make kindness audible at the bedsides of people in the final stages of their life. Kia ora, Valerie, and welcome to Deathwalker's Guide to Life. Kia ora, Kerry pleasure to be with you. (laughs) Thank you so much. So I would like to start by asking you to tell us a little bit more about your first personal experience of death. It's a question I ask most of my guests on the show. Yeah, wow, that takes me back. Um, I don't remember exactly how my parents explained it to me, but I, as a five-year-old, I had a playmate and we would play in our grandmother's backyards. Our grandmothers were neighbors. And uh, Jimmy, bless his heart, went to kindergarten with me. He started kindergarten with me. And we used to lie on the lap. And um, I would stare at Jimmy's beautiful eyelashes instead of take a nap while the other kids would just lie on the rugs in the middle of kindergarten. And... Um, one day, my parents needed to explain to me that Jimmy wouldn't be coming back to kindergarten, that he had um, died in hospital as a result of an accident. Um, so, yeah, that's what I think of. Wow, that was, would have been quite young, quite a young age to experience that. Of course, I'd yeah. experienced like dead pets and yeah. things. Um, uh, I don't remember it being traumatic for me but it must have it must have um it must have been terribly um you know sad for everyone concerned yes yeah (laughs) and uh uh, yeah but that's a beautiful image of of you remembering his eyelashes it's lovely yeah yeah (laughs) yeah so that feels well that's sort of a body awareness (laughs) feels like a big jump to my next question but my next question (laughs) is um, can you please tell us a little bit uh, about body voice alive and the synergies between the different types of work that you do yes Uh, well body voice alive um, was just the idea that came to my husband and I after kind of much soul searching of how to bring together uh, what we do uh, as my husband is like me, a, a trainer of nonviolent communication. And he's also a singer. In fact, he's one of the threshold singers in our group. Um, 
I, I've been a singer and a performer for most of my professional life, working with people in musical theater and opera and and uh, enthusiastic amateurs who love to sing in choirs. Um, I do subscribe to the adage that if you talk, you can sing. And it's a matter of uh, experience and feedback and, and keeping on doing it, keeping on doing it. Um, so singing's always been so special to me. In fact, my mother would say, uh, if you asked her the question, she would always answer, oh, she learned to sing in the crib. <laughs> uh, uh, so I think of music as more or less my first language. Yes. Um, at some point in my singing teaching career, I came across Feldenkrais method. Actually, it was when I was still um, learning to perform before I started teaching. And Feldenkrais method is a way of learning to learn, and particularly learning to learn about your habits that cause you pain, and finding without a lot of struggle, but just through some very skilled new movement sequences, how you can present new options to your your nervous system so you can be more elegant, more pain-free, more effective, uh, more powerful, um, whatever it is you're going for. It might be that you're wanting to actually be more at ease to regulate better. Um, Feldenkrais can really support a lot of different aspects of well-being. Um, so, uh, so I trained, um, I went through a four-year process of learning to teach this method because I could see how much it was supporting me to be a comfortable person in life, um, to let go of my habitual strain when I would be anxious in a performance or preparing for a competition, to um, help me to keep my body functioning into my um more senior years that's still it's still very important part of my self-care program and um, i still do a little one-on-one -on -one work with clients especially people who are musicians singers uh, and um, see how body awareness works for them to um, help them do what they love Mm -hmm. And then I guess there's a link between that body awareness and the work you do in, non in teaching nonviolent communication. Well, yes, there yeah. is. Um, it's through our bodies that we know how we feel. Yes, the sensations. We know what's yeah. important to us. Um, and nonviolent communication is really about, well, for me, finding how to live in um, – in integrity and in connection and uh, to move with the flow of life through focusing on our feelings and our values and um, making elegant requests so that we can have more of what makes life wonderful and so that we can give to others more of what makes life wonderful. Mm. Here to that. And of course, the other thing that nonviolent communication or which is also known as compassionate communication is good at helping people do and certainly has helped me my um i've dabbled in it a bit uh is have 
you know, know how to communicate when things are really difficult to talk about. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, to navigate those um, courageous conversations that we want to have in the world uh, and to deal with um, simple, quick conflicts, to deal with ongoing challenges in relationships or in uh, in groups or, yeah. Mm. So two of your offerings through Body Voice Alive are a pro- two programs, one called Talking Towards Death and another one Finding Life with Death. Can you tell us a little bit more about those and, yeah, how they sort of weave together all the different aspects of your, your passions and, and your skills? Well, Finding Life Within Death, um, I created with a colleague, Jean McElhaney, who lives in Auckland. Uh, it's quite curious how we found each other. It turns out that we were, were both, both born in Nebraska, that we're both certified NBC trainers, and we met in Auckland, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we also um, found that our mothers were dying uh, at roughly the same time. Um, as, and this inspired us to... Um, begin to explore more what death means for our life. Um, Jean has a lot of uh, trainings that are interesting and has worked with uh, um, trauma survivors and has been uh, interface spiritual minister. And um, uh, I just think she's a woman of such skill and such empathy um, when it comes to supporting others. And we had a great um, delight in creating this course for um, a one-day event to begin to draw people together to have the conversations they wanted about death and to support them to look at unfinished conversations they might want to have, perhaps with someone who had died and conversations they want to have in the future about perhaps their own death or someone else's approaching death. So we're really bringing those those skills of self-awareness and of nonviolent communication to support connection around those conversations. Uh, the other course, Talking Towards Death, is uh, designed as an online course, which we hope to offer again in 2023, um, so that someone could, over the course of uh, eight sessions, come back to topics with support within an online community in just um, short weekly sessions, but have that intention to care for that topic in their lives, whether that's preparing for their own death uh, or whether that's supporting them to be and companion others as they approach death. Like, mm. So does that course have this one topic per week or is it something that evolves out of the needs of the group and you might? We do have an outline uh, for it uh, for the week. And there is because um, – empathy and being present to one another is a kind of thread that runs through the course there is also the opportunity to companion what arises with vote mm-hmm. 
Well, it sounds wonderful. So you've offered both of those courses before? Uh, talking towards death, we still have yet to make the first offering okay. of. Okay, okay. Sounds sounds fascinating. Keep me posted on that one. <laughs> and I'd we'll love do. to share the details with our listeners when you have them about when it's going to run. Great. Yeah. Thank lovely. you. So then, then the other bow in your uh, string in your bow <laughs> is uh, <laughs> is the uh, threshold singing. So I understand the practice of threshold singing first began in California and has since spread to more than 200 communities around the world. So tell us about when you first encountered threshold singing. And and, I mean, obviously, it would be like, it must have been a bit of an aha moment for you to go, oh, these are two things that singing and and supporting people on their journey as they die and and their loved ones. Well, uh, when I um, first came across it, it wasn't, the idea of it that I met, it was a, an interesting experience. And I later found out that it was threshold singing. Um, I was sitting in a retreat uh, with a lot of other people who had a background in nonviolent communication. Um, and uh, the retreat's focus was living compassion. And there was a lot of inquiry and a lot of self-connection supported And each day we would gather and sit in a circle and uh, still ourselves and then reveal what was alive in us. And one participant um, began to share in a vulnerable way that we hadn't seen in her as she'd been kind of an assistant on the course and shared about a connection with her father and she was very vulnerable as she was uh, thinking of her aging father and a tearful and there was some beautiful moment being touched as she revealed herself and the room fell silent there were no words and i remember thinking to myself i don't i wonder what's going to happen next I hope anybody doesn't speak right away, you know, because this is of uh, some kind of magnitude that requires spaciousness in presence. And from a couple of seats away from me, a voice came. And she sang, We see your face, we hear your voice. We call your name, we hold you dear. And then she sang it again. Mm, As she sang it a third time, little voices around the room started to join her. Mm. And we just held this friend with such love. And a couple of days later, um, my friend Phyllis started singing again. Mm -hmm. Of course, when we had a break, I just needed to ask her, you know, Phyllis, where do these songs come from? Are they coming from you? Are you making them up? What, 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 
what are you doing? No. <laughs> and uh, she said, oh, they're threshold songs, and explained how Kate Munger in California had started to sing for a dying friend, uh, and this would be um, about 30 years ago now, and she just really had a call to companion someone with song in his dying and eventually she just thought she was going to keep doing it um, it grew there in santa cruz california mm -hmm. people joined her and uh, kate created a lot of songs um, and eventually you know people got this idea and it started to spread until um, it became Threshold Choir International with this kind of purpose and mission to mm. spread this kind of support mm. for individuals and their families wherever it would take root, this kind of movement. Mm. And the growth of the Threshold choirs or singing groups would have been pretty much in parallel with the sort of the growth of community choirs, wasn't it? that was happening around the same over the last few decades as well oh oh yes yeah. i think i think uh community choirs have taken off uh in a in a new way here in new zealand i really don't know what's happening in other parts of the globe uh, i think you know singing and caring for one another go together very well whether it's in a community setting or a or, or a religious setting or a school setting or um, a, a party setting it's just it's part of how we show care mm. I, be, at least. yeah when i was living in the northern rivers of new south wales in australia i was in a choir called the biggest little town choir <laughs> which um was in mullumbimby which is known as the biggest little town in australia and we sang at the annual day of the dead celebrations which were organized by the natural death care center and which has just happened actually last weekend mm. and the choir is is still there you know singing people through that process of of communally grieving and and remembering their loved ones it's it's uh, really lovely so let's just go back to that song welcome home though because uh you have kindly arranged for us to be able to to play the full track which we're about to do in a minute but can you tell us a little bit about who wrote that song do it was it kate I that can. wrote it or someone else who wrote it i can it? tell you yeah. um my friend phyllis who originally sang threshold singing to me was in a group in portland oregon uh with cree schlaffer and cree is the creator of this song and has led the the portland oregon threshold singers group um so the recording you hear here is i believe six of their members um, just singing one of Cree's songs. Lovely. Let's hear, hear it now. We see your face, we hear your voice, we call your name, we hold you dear. We see your face, we hear your your name we hold 
Beautiful, beautiful recording, isn't it? It's lovely. Yeah, yeah. So you obviously have made connections with um, people like Cree uh, because you, which is a lovely thing as well, isn't it? To, it yeah. is. And uh, through uh, um, very special circumstances, I've, I've also met Kate, the originer, originator of the um, choir, and I've uh, flukishly met the woman who introduced my friend Phyllis to, to threshold singing. <laughs> One connection after another. Um, mm. Having Kate come to Christchurch was a very special experience uh, as she came with another uh, 14 threshold singers, uh, 12 of them from the U.S. and um one from Australia and another one I'm not quite sure where from. Um, but they toured the five, the 15 of them around New Zealand very informally um, in dropping in at different centers. And, you know, they might sit down in a library and um, or a craft group and, and talk about threshold singing and sing a song or two. Or Kate, Kate was so interesting. She wore the most... Um, uh, interesting necklaces and she said it's my spiritual practice that when everyone uh, anyone uh, comments on my jewelry that I sing to them and, <laughs> love that <laughs> yeah I I just it was so special meeting her yeah they're, so they're, what when was that was that a few years they they came um they came at the first anniversary time of the mosque shooting mm-hmm Mm-hmm. And they timed their visit so they could be here um, over a period of three to four weeks. They sang for the anniversary of the earthquakes here in Christchurch. And then about three weeks later, it is um, the anniversary of the mosque shooting. And there were two different uh, services that we sang together with those singers, our group with their group in the uh, transitional uh, cathedral here in Christchurch. Just to accompany all those who came to remember those mm. two uh, tragic events. Mm. Wow. When did Reflections gets begin? Tell us about the, its origin story. <laughs> um, so I wasn't there right at the beginning of Reflections. Um, my friend Ellie Soto uh, decided to uh, offer song to the dying, that it was something that she wanted to do. Um, 
on a retreat uh, when she was very much um, aware that a friend of hers was dying, that that she felt called to do it. She didn't know exactly how um, or, you know, who would come, uh, but she started it, um, it must be six, seven years ago, and uh, invited a number of friends to come together. A half a dozen or so had started uh, this group when I met them about two months, three months into their journey. Um, yeah, and I I found Ellie because of this international ex- organization, Threshold Choir International. Um, they have such a great network, but also a structure for of support to help people f- found choirs. So Ellie received uh, coaching and mentoring from people who already had choirs up and running about how to, you know, call people in, about how to start choir rehearsals and things. And very, very soon she asked me to um, co-direct with her. So, so you know, we've done that for a number of years um, together. And, and and more recently, she said, oh, I, I, you do the music bit and I'll do some of the other bits and we'll get other members to, you know, do other bits. So, so she's, she's the mama of our choir and we are a mixed voice group that normally sing in in groups of two or three or four at bedside either when we're called by invitation or when we go to uh, palliative care facilities and uh, uh, patients are approached and patients are um, asking for a song when they are offered it yeah Mm. I got your card at the death recent death matters NZ conference in in Christchurch, and I, I really love how key word on it is gentle bedside singing on request, no charge, koha welcome. So that's kind of real, really the ethos of the whole threshold choir, isn't it? It is. It's um, based on that love of giving and receiving, and in in terms of you know offering this service at bedside i do find that it just greatly enriches my life it's such a a gift to me to accompany someone to slow down and treasure the moment and whatever happens between us i leave knowing that i am alive and that i will die and that I am alive now. Mm. Yes. Do you, when you sing at people's bedsides, are there Fano there too often, or are you usually there with with the person themselves? Uh, when we are, when we sing by request, um, it's almost always that there are Fano yeah. uh, uh, with. Uh, the patient you know it might be one person or it might be as many yeah as half a dozen or more um and when we sing in uh, palliative care facilities uh, very often we're singing for just one person um sometimes for for a partner or for a larger family but more often in those facilities just for one for me turning up there i love 
singing with another person or another two or three singers just in that small group. And like we, we come with our little folding stools so nobody needs to find us a chair and you know we can perch uh, at a, a comfortable distance from the bedside and still um you know be as as a group of singers and yeah there's there's funny things that happens there's very very um uh, touching things that happen and uh, uh every sing is is different mm. How often does it happen that you are called or that you visit a palliative care facility? And uh, We have a, a regular rhythm of, of visiting a local um, palliative hospital and that's a, a, on a site with a hospice. And we're singing in um, the facility on average about once a week. And then if we have call outs, then it's additional to that. And of course, during COVID, this, this mm. hasn't been our focus to um, really increase our reach, but just to kind of maintain our, uh, our function. But we are, we are available to, um, by request to folk if they want to reach out to us here in Christchurch and, you know, subject to availability and timing, we really love to support people who have that as their request. Mm, lovely. Are you aware how many other threshold choirs there are in New Zealand? In other I am cities aware or locations? Of, of an established choir in Auckland. I've actually visited them and sung with them. Um, there's um, a similar group with a similar purpose in uh, Wellington is my understanding. Um, and there uh, is another uh, group in North Canterbury that has uh, begun. I don't know that they're singing at bedside yet. That may still be ahead of them. But um, we have the capacity to, you know, support people if they would like to um, find out about the feasibility of starting something like this in their area. Fantastic. And people could go to your website Body Voice Alive they to go make to contact. Threshold Choir International. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Or, or the the website is thresholdchoir.org, actually. Mm-hmm. Then then there there is wonderful material on this website. Um, some video and um, just a kind of introduction to the flavor of the songs. You know, a number of samples there and some stories that have been aired on public television, for instance, um, interviewing some patients who've received this gift of song and, um, yeah, give people f- a feel for the the kind of culture that we have. Uh, yeah. Great. Actually, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that website in my um, final segment on today's show, which is Death on Screen. So I will mention that again and where people can find it. So you also have permission to share a recording that you and your husband made together singing a song called Anywhere I Am. Can you tell us a little bit more about the song and introduce it and then I'll play it? Sure. So this is another one of uh, Kate Munger's song, the founder of Threshold Choir. And and what I love about this song of Kate's is that it's suitable for me to build self-connection with myself. It's also a very suitable song to sing to someone um, 
that I'm introduced to and um, if I'm introducing our songs, I like to start with something that's gentle and connects us with our environment. Thank you. I will now play Anywhere I Am by Kate Munger. Anywhere I am can be holy forest. Anywhere I am can be sacred sea. Peace and quiet can be anywhere I am. Peace and quiet within me. Anywhere I am can be holy forest. Anywhere I am can be sacred sea. Peace and quiet can be anywhere I am. Peace and quiet within me. That was Valerie and her husband, Jim. Tell us Jim's name so that we've got that on the record. (laughs) Yeah, he's Jim Lovell-Smith. Great. (laughs) Singing Anywhere I Am, a song composed by Threshold Choir founder Kate Munger. So this seems like a, a very perfect question to ask you, Valerie. It's a question I ask all of my guests, and that is, uh, what one song would you like played? And... I'm compiling this farewell songs playlist on Spotify, and as we pointed out before we we started the uh, we went on air and started the interview, uh, it's not just I guess for people uh, to play it, you know, to nominate a song to be played at this funeral or their wake or the celebration of their life, but actually it might be when they are in the dying process. So mm. what, what's what's your top hit <laughs> that you would well, like played at the end of your life? I love. Uh, a song which has come to us out of Australia by a singer named Alison Mackay, a composer. And the words are, everything we do is sacred. When at last we know that everything we do is sacred, then we will dance in fields of light. Mm, Beautiful. And... Yeah, I, I hope that people will sing it to me uh, along with the other list I've I've got in my advanced care plan and on the Threshold Choir website beside my profile. There's a place for me to choose these songs I want to be sung to me in my, um, you know, my final days, weeks or whenever it is that I begin to ask Threshold singers to come sing for me. I, I may not find that song on Spotify, but I will try. Oh, no, you won't. I, I, I doubt you will. Uh. <laughs> but that's okay. We can still mention it and um, perhaps link to, I, I, to where it is. Maybe maybe will. I haven't actually looked, So, yeah. um, but who knows? <laughs> Lovely. Well, thank you very, very much for joining me on today's show, Valerie. It's been fantastic to talk to you and lovely to hear those two beautiful songs as well. Really really special. Well, thank you, Carrie. I really appreciate the opportunity to let people uh, dream the dream of song accompanying them or their relatives at that very precious stage of life. Thank you. Kia ora. Kia ora. You're listening to Death Walker's Guide to Life with Kerry Sunderland, and I've just been speaking with Valerie Wyckoff. 
It's now time for Death on Screen and I'd love to encourage you to visit www.thresholdchoir.org for more video and audio regarding Threshold singing. There are lots of resources there. There is information about how you can start your own Threshold singing group. There's a directory of choirs all around the world. In the Pacific and South East Asian region, there are eight groups of Threshold singers listed, and that's effectively choirs and groups of singers in Australia and Aotearoa, New Zealand. And of course, uh, on YouTube, you can also find out a lot more. There's lots of recordings of Threshold singers performing, and this fabulous interview that was on a, a platform called Religion and Ethics News Weekly. So I'm just going to play a short segment from the video. There you are In the quiet of this moment Here I am When we sing to a patient We are sending them love We are wishing them well on their journey We are saying we're all in this together Here I am are still very much alive until they're not and they are sharing their time with us and they're going through something that none of us have gone through yet and so in a way they are our teachers and so we are learning also from them on how to do this thing called dying. That was Sarah Stott from the Washington DC Threshold Choir speaking with Religion and Ethics News Weekly about the benefits for the singers in Threshold Choirs. And it really encourages me to get involved and I hope maybe some of you too. Thanks so much for joining me on today's show. You can find out uh, more about Threshold Choirs on the episode 13 page on deathwalkersguidetolife.com. We've come to the end of today's show. You've been listening to Death Walker's Guide to Life with Kerry Sunderland. Find out more about the show and catch up on previous episodes at deathwalkersguidetolife.com. Once again, Kamihi, a big thank you to Tasman District Creative Community Scheme for supporting the show. Matiwa. See you next time. podcast you just listened to was a live recording of a radio show first broadcast on fresh fm the top of the south's community access media station with support from new zealand on air the funding of access media makes these podcasts possible to find similar programs by other community access media stations go online to accessmedia.nz if you or your group would like to know more about how you can have a program on our station please contact us Visit our website freshfm.net for our contact details.